1: Hello, everyone. Your hosts, Chase and James, are back for a free agency preview episode of At the Hive Live, part of the ESPN Nation Network podcast. I know we usually start off the show by talking about how we've been, but it's only been a few days since our last episode. And after the recent draft night, I think it's fair to assume that most Hornets fans feel pretty good right now. So, do you want to just get right down to business, James?
0: Free agency time. There is no rest. No rest. We got, got to jump straight in here. Free agency, basically, we're recording this. On the Sunday evening, free agency starts in just around just under 24 hours or so. So yeah, absolutely. Let's let's jump in. Let's things have changed. We should say that me and Chase hedged our bets about a week ago, and we recorded an entire free agency preview podcast with the idea being, oh, we can just release it straight after the draft uh, because we won't have time to record one before free agency starting. Because we thought, well, Mitch Kupchak, pretty safe. We'll probably stay at 11, make a selection. And the craziest draft night of all draft nights that we talked about ended up selecting four guys, selected a guard at 11, which was pretty unexpected, and selected a big at the same time and a power forward then at 37 in JT Thor. So we basically had to scrap the whole recording, <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of other podcasts who done the same thing. It's the first time that we have literally just had to press delete on a on a whole show um but yeah let's we're going to revisit this now with with some information we still haven't got all the information that we want when recording this but with some information um so yeah chase do you want us do you want to run us through the start all
1: right so we'll start at the top the projected cap space that the hornets have for this free agency period it's varied you can you can find a lot of different numbers because this is kind of like a like an area where fans and media are kept in the dark because a lot of the negotiations are going on between teams and agents as the new league year has not started and all of this is technically not legal for them to come to agreements on for another day or two but right now the hornets sit at about 8.8 million dollars in open cap space per keith smith who writes for a ton of different outlets he's very popular on twitter he's more than a reputable source on this uh, salary cap info uh, I assume that this is including the salaries of JT Thor and Scotty Lewis, not like being converted to two ways or anything as they were NBA draft picks and could get, uh, presumably get guaranteed salaries. And this is also figuring in the Mason Plumley trade. And if Plumley is flipped in a larger trade, because his, his that trade that they made on draft day cannot be official until August 6th, he could make that salary. If he is moved, his salary would l- allow the cap space to balloon back towards like 18 to 20 million dollars and if they keep him on august 6th then that trade is finalized it would stay around the 8.8 million that it's at right now so we want to give a a roster rundown too before we get into this because the the hornets have you know pretty much a full roster right now heading into free agency so if they wanted to sign anybody they would have to either waive players or like we said like i just said flip plumley in another trade to create that roster spot so you want to give the the listeners a rundown of the roster, James?
0: Yeah. So at this, at the point of recording, we still don't have confirmation of the qualifying offers for Graham or Malik Monk, which were supp- great we're we
1: supposed to come like 24 hours ago. At this point, like, there's it's, yeah. we've, it's just like there's no we don't know if they move the date back because we don't think they can do that. But for whatever reason, they have not put that information out as of Sunday.
0: Yeah, th- they will have to confirm it before. The start of free agency itself because the you know those guys will need to know if they're restricted or not. Um, so we by the time you listen to this pod, to be honest, it'll probably be out. Uh, but for, for the purpose of this pod, we are assuming that Devontae Graham will have his, his ex- qualifying up for extended, uh, will become a restricted free agent. Malik Monk, we're presuming, especially if his tweet bet on himself, bet on yourself, whatever, and the selection of Buck Knight. And, uh, you know, his, his higher cap hold that he won't be coming back. So those are the assumptions we're making. In terms of the depth chart roster construction at the moment, I just thought it's worth going through. Because after the draft, pretty crazy, everything's swirling around. Just we thought going through where it is up to. So at point guard at the moment, you've got Lamello Ball projected to have Devontae Graham. And then like Terry Rozier played point guard this year when needed due to injury. So there isn't like that kind of third string Brad Wanamaker spot at the minute. It's something we'll touch on later in the program. Um, but basically, you've just got two point guards likely to be back with Terry being an emergency third guard. Then a shooting guard, we have Terry it James Buckknight. Uh, at small forward, Gordon Hayward, Cody Martin, who can also play some shooting guard as well, and Jalen McDaniels. a power forward, Miles Bridges, PJ Washington, and JT Thor, which is probably one that... If you don't follow the draft, you're thinking JT Thor, where, where does he play? Power is probably his position, I'd say. Um, especially this early on in his career with him being that young. And then at five, Mason Plumley, Kai Jones, Vernon Carey, and Nick Richards, and also PJ Washington can play there. So you've basically essentially got like five players who can play some five. Um, and and those those that rosters kind of assuming that Cody Martin and Jalen McDonalds are brought back, which There's been some speculation that maybe there won't be because if they both are, that takes us up to 14 players. So you can only have one more rostered player on the roster. So, you know, if they wanted to fill one hole on the roster, they'd be able to do that using the cap space or they could use their room exception, which is around 5 million. They couldn't use both of those things at the moment with those 14 players. So, yes, there's a chance McDaniels or Cody Martin don't have an option picked up. What I personally think is more likely, and we'll touch on later, is one of the centers to be moved, either Vernon Kerry, Nick Richards, Mason Plumley to be flipped again. Just because to have like four and a half guys, including PJ Washington, who play five, just doesn't seem like a great allocation of roster positions at the moment. Um, and I think we saw that was the case last year, where we had Zeller, Biz, PJ, Kerry, Richards, and then all the guards in the wings got injured, and we just had no depth. Um, and I'd be so surprised if the team went into next season with a similar thing. So, And that's assuming, again, that Grant Riller isn't brought onto the main roster. So we think Grant Riller will be re-signing another two-way contract. It just seems to make sense at the minute. Or that's assuming, again, Caleb Martin wouldn't have his option picked up, so he would be waived. And then Scotty Lewis, the guess would be that he would take the other two-way contract with Grant Riller. So that is our projection at this point. Very fluid situation.
1: A lot can change. Yeah, I would imagine that a lot will change. Just to run down this whole scenario with the cap space and the roster presumes that Malik Monk, Cody Zeller, Bismack Biambo all renounced and most likely depart. Devontae Graham is re-signed. Caleb Martin is waived. And then the candidates for the two-way spots at the end of the roster are Scotty Lewis, Arnoldus Koboka, Grant Riller, and Nate Darling which of those four end up with the two way is actually like a pretty interesting, like point of the a discussion for the Hornets off season. Cause it might say a lot of, I mean, it will say a lot about how they think that Riller and Darling have progressed or like how much they believed in Scotty Lewis as being a rotation piece when they drafted him. So, and then there's also Koboka, like we, ha- we don't really have any solid word on whether or not he's going to stay over here past summer league in america he very well could go right back to europe and continue playing over there so that will be something to keep an eye on as well because if they strike out on a lot of their free agency targets i could definitely see riller or scotty lewis just being promoted to the active roster and then maybe somebody like xavier sneed like that is going to be on the summer league roster gets another two-way but yeah that that will definitely be one of the last things that the Hornets decide on once. uh, I think there's a
0: lot to play for in summer league for for that group of like four or five guys for the two way slots. I think there's a lot to play for.
1: Yeah. And not only playing time, like you get a lot more money being a two way player than just being like an exhibit 10 guy or just playing in the G league like that. I'm pretty sure the base salary for a two way contract is $850,000. So that's a pretty penny. If you handed me $850,000 right now, I'd be more than fine with that. So you want to move on to the, unrestricted or restricted free agent targets that we've got here should we start with should we start with the bigs I think that might be the the shortest section now that you know let's let's
0: start with the bigs let's jump in straight away Rashawn Holmes okay the name tied to Charlotte for by both fans and sourced media really for the last two months you know Charlotte Toronto and Dallas have been have been the teams rumored to be interested A lot of the kind of reporting from Jake Fisher from Bleacher Report is that Charlotte are now out of the runnings for Holmes after the latest Mason-Plumlee trade. Um, Look, if if Plumlee stays on the roster, I think you're absolutely right. They are at the running. As Chase mentioned, if we are able to flip Plumlee to another team or in a side and trade with Sacramento, so sending Plumlee to the Kings and us getting Holmes back, there are still routes to Holmes. I don't think it's absolutely out of the realms of possibility. But Let's just say for a minute, they they have ruled themselves out from home. So they've decided not to go after him. What are your thoughts on that? Why do you think they might have made that decision? Because I've got I've got an opinion, but I'm curious what your thoughts are.
1: Yeah, well, see, I like I'm not saying Jake Fisher's reporting is incorrect, but I would be pretty surprised if drafting Kai Jones and Plumley like took them out of the race for a center. Because A, they still have cap space. Like that, You may not choose to use it on the center after trading for one and drafting one. But I want to preface this also with I, Kai Jones may not play very much, if at all, as a rookie really with the Hornets. He might be on a very similar development plan to what Nick, and, Nick, uh, Nick Richards and Vernon Carey were on last year, playing the high majority of their minutes. I mean, if there was a real G League season last year anyway, playing the high majority of their minutes with the Swarm and then coming up to play with the Hornets every now and again probably like what Jalen McDaniels and Caleb Martin did their rookie seasons. Cause that was like more of a normal season to compare to than last year. But if, I mean, if Jones does, even if Jones is on the roster and has plans to play, I don't, I just don't, I don't think that they'll go into the season with three, you know, sub 22 year old centers and then Mason Plumlee. I could see them using that $8 million left in cap space on like another vet to have, or to, to play but, like backup center or start in, uh, and have Plumley be the backup, and then moving like one of the rookies or waving somebody, and then signing like a like a minimum wing or something like that to fill that hole. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I just don't think anything is really out of the question with them. Like I think that we saw with that hectic draft day that they're like they're putting everything on the table and try, like they're not like set in their ways at all in what they're going to do with the roster.
0: So, so even with only having eight and a half million in cap space and homes probably commanding, I think the Kings could even play homes up to like 11 and a half, 12 like a year. 10.4 so,
1: is the number the Kings can go.
0: Yeah. So you you you'd think you're going to have to get above that figure if you oh, want yeah. to, if you want to get homes. Um, so I think that's why a lot of people are now drawing the line as well. The Hornets don't have that space anymore. And I think all we are saying, and I think we both agree on this, There are ways for Charlotte to get to that space. It's not easy, but it is possible. Um, And we've seen in the
1: last couple of years that teams generally are more willing to be creative with cap space like that.
0: Yeah. The one thing I will say maybe they have made the decision. We don't want to go out and give whatever the contract is 50 to 75 million to a 27 year old center coming off his like one really productive season. Like, maybe they look back at the Nick Batum signings, at the Marvin Williams signings, where they go, those guys had great years. We gave them big four-year contracts, and then we had no flexibility. And by just keeping Plumlee, it gives this team a lot of flexibility going into next season. There's this mixed reports that of his $8 million salary next year, that Plumlee might have $4.5 million guaranteed. So if you're then wanting to take into account, oh, how can we re-sign Terry Rozier if we don't sign him to an extension? Like, having Plumlee makes that a lot easier than having someone like Rashawn Holmes. So there could be an element here that the team have basically decided, we don't think Holmes is going to be putting us over the top, um, making us a real contender, but he would really limit our flexibility going forward. And we'd rather basically take a, a lesser player in Plumlee but have that flex to pivot to other center options in the next year or two. And that's not something I've really heard discussed anywhere, but I think we we all talk about how centers aren't as valuable anymore and you shouldn't overpay for centers. Yet at the same time, all Charlotte Hornets fans and myself and you are all clamoring for us to sign with Sean Holmes. And maybe they've just taken a step back here and thought, actually, that's not the best way looking forward to help this team.
1: You know what I just realized? Do you remember when we had Filippo on our show? Like what must have been pretty, like, pretty close to six months or a year ago? Yeah. I think he talked about that the, the Hornets front office might just not view center as a position they're ever going – or not ever, but that they're going to spend money on in the near future because they drafted two centers in the second round last year, probably hoping a, one of them is a role player, one of them may not hit, but maybe he's a rotation player or something. And what, that remains to be seen, whether or going to happen. It's only been one year. And then now if they end up rolling with Plumlee into the season and then like high Jones or something as a backup, and then Nick will allow Vernon and Nick their chance at earning some minutes in the rotation. I think that would kind of prove that they just don't value center. Like as a posi- as a position, they're going to allocate like salary cap resources to, because I don't, I don't know like what, what other evidence we would need for that because they were like real, that was by they had the worst center rotation in the NBA last year the entire NBA knows they need two centers this year. And if the two that they add are Plumlee and another developmental piece, I think it just shows that like, they're just like, yeah, we're not spending money on a MB or like, or we're not going to overpay, you know, nerland's Noel to come here and, you know, plug a hole that, you know, doesn't elevate, raise our ceiling. It just raises our floor from 11 seed to nine seed or something.
0: Yeah. And I think it, it's strange, right? Because the actions could suggest that. But at the same time, whenever you hear Borrego or Kupchak interviewed, the things they talk about the team needs are size, rebounding and shot blocking, which are all things that centers specialize (laughs) in excelling. So they don't seem to be communicating that being like, we want to play differently and flexibly. It's not like the Houston team who basically came out and said, we don't want centers anymore. We don't want Capella. We want to play with PJ Tucker as our five. It's not quite like that, but, you are right it could be that they 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 want to just play a little bit more of a flexible uh process um so yeah i think we've kind of talked about homes there there are routes to get to it it is more difficult now um but maybe the team just have decided they don't want to spend a huge amount of money on that center position what are some other names that jump out to you who you think maybe are accessible with that 8.5 million space so let's just assume for this exercise that charlotte Spend their full cap space, the eight point five million, on a big. Who do you think some guys who make some sense?
1: Uh, so the only real candidates I personally think make a lot of sense for this are Nerlens Noel, Daniel Tice, and the man himself, Cody Zeller. Like I, I genuinely think Zell. I mean, he's definitely going to be available around that cap number. Maybe it's like nine or ten instead of eight million, but. Like the the center market drops off really quickly, and like it, at a certain like it gets to a certain point where most of these guys aren't even going to be making close to eight million dollars if you sign them to that. So, you know, like you're not going to have to worry about paying Ed Davis eight million dollars. Ed Davis is a minimum guy. Like Zach Collins is not going to make eight million dollars, and things like that. But I do think if they were to do that, it's really just Noel, Tice, and Zeller if that makes sense. Zeller is you're missing familiar. someone. Who's who's the last one?
0: Your your favorite guy.
1: I'm not saying his name on this podcast. <laughs> I'm not doing it.
0: I, he he's, he could be in that salary range. Chase, no, he would
1: be. He would be, but it would. Uh, it, Andre would Drummond. Be. No, I. I yeah. You former can say. You can say it.
0: Former All Star. Andre. Hey, for, Drummond. we should
1: sign former All Star Isaiah Thomas uh, while we're at it. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I yeah, you're right that he is available. I mean, I yeah, we should we can't exclude him entirely, but he. I mean, he would be at the absolute bottom of my list for, for players. Chase, Fine. you, you acknowledge he is a free
0: agent. Oh, That's yeah. about all you're doing.
1: Andre Drummond is an unsigned, uh, if hopeful employee of the, of the National Basketball Association. That is absolutely true. But I, w- I would just land on Noel and Ty, even more so than Zeller, obviously, because I think you know, he might just want to move on after being relegated to a bench piece when he clearly should have been the starter last year. But I th- Noel makes a lot of sense as like a rim protector, rebounder. Tice is obviously much more of an offensive focused guy than Noel, but is still a pretty good re- uh, rim protector and rebounder, even though he's only 6'8". Yeah, I, I, I just, I think that those two would be fine. I, I would be really surprised if they trade for like Miles Turner or something, just because at this point, I mean, unless it's like lumping Plumley into that deal and taking Miles Turner into the remaining cap space that he would be creating by moving Plumley again, which actually is possible because Miles Turner makes i think 17 or 18 million and if they get rid of yeah. Plumley they'd be back towards 20 million and that would use pretty much the entirety of their cap space but it is And it possible. would also
0: give it would give the Pacers a trade exception yes. to the salary difference between Plumley and Turner which would be about what 9 million trade yeah. exception or something like that um and and we did talk about in our last podcast during the draft they you know they draft they traded for Isaiah Jackson in the draft uh they've got Sabonis they've got Goga like The and the Turner trade talk has been out there, and the Charlotte linked to them for for ages. So, yep, absolutely, another another potential thing that could could happen this offseason.
1: Yes, I mean, I'm really, I've I've pretty much settled on like outside of Holmes, just Noel, Tyson, Zeller. Is there anybody else that you want to bring up other than than he? No, no,
0: I, I I agree. There's some of the names I like, but they're all.
1: No, not they're like all, 8 million, right. Yeah,
0: they're all like 2 to 4 million guys. So like yeah. Tony Bradley, I quite like. Isaiah Hartenstein, I quite like. Uh, Ken Birch is another guy. But at that point, when you're adding someone of that level, you probably
1: – you're not, you're not, not getting someone who's proven to be a
0: starter in the NBA. So yeah. like you're kind of just thinking, well, should we just rock with Kai Jones but then carrying and and P.J. Washington? Because P.J. Washington is probably a better center than all of those guys. That they're, they're different <laughs> yeah. types of players. They give you options because they've got more size and rebounding and shot blocking them than PJ. But yeah, yeah, it'd be a strange way to just just to sign another kind of like eh rotation guy. Noel makes sense, but at the same time, they could have signed him last offseason. They just didn't. Um, he's not been linked to Charlotte really at all through any like the free agency leaks through Jake Fisher, Mark Stein. Any of the guys, like, uh, it's the Mavericks, it's the Raptors, it's the Knicks who are all interested in him. Charlotte has not been listed there. So I just wonder if there is something about Nolan's Noel that the, the team or the front office just does not like or rate. Um, I'd be surprised if they went after Noel at this stage just because of the reporting. Uh, and I also think he might be he might getting up to, like, 10, 11 million above that eight-and-a-half mark, Noel. Um, Drummond, I mean... I've said it before on here, like it would petrify me, but it also makes sense. If you look at the team needs and what the cup check and, and Borrego have said that they want in the team, um, I'd be scared out of my mind, but I think it's someone that we have to acknowledge. And six to 10 million is that like I've got his like salary range estimated. He might be available for something like that. So I, I wouldn't absolutely hate it for that sort of money. I, I wouldn't like it for double figures um in terms of t- like 10 to fifty million, but for if you can get it under 10 then i'd understand the value play uh cody zeller i just don't think's coming back i mean did you hear you heard i mean i think i clicked it and put it out on twitter but the interview he did on the watch pod about um like what he wants from free agency did you see that
1: yeah, I mean, he basically was saying he wanted everything that the Hornets did not give him last year, which like, yeah. hey, good. I respect that. Good for him. I totally get it. I also kind of understand why the Hornets didn't give it to him at certain times. But I mean, yeah, it doesn't sound like he's uh, he's on his way back. That is for sure. I feel like it, no. would, it would take some convincing to get like they'd have to give him slightly more money or be like, hey, like we're not going to give Biz like the you know, lifetime achievement award minutes this year, like where we don't have a connection to Mason Plumley. like we can just play you way more and then use him as the backup. But I don't, I don't see that happening also. So yeah, I would like to see Cody back at a reasonable like number or whatever, but don't think it's likely. Do so I move on to the, uh, to the yeah. wings forwards section of the free. Agency Absolutely.
0: Review. Yeah. And I think the the wings is probably the weakest position right now in terms of which is of depth.
1: unfortunate cuz it's a it's a need for them uh, in both at, at Well
0: the- yeah it's it's the weakest in terms of free agency and for the Hornets.
1: So <laughs> yeah right.
0: <laughs> it's it's really not a great look. I mean you basically you've got Gordon Hayward starting small forward, great great option. After that, you've got like Cody Martin can play like a third of his minutes at small forward last year. Jalen McDaniels came in and did like a decent job for someone drafted late, late second last year. Um, Miles Bridges can play some small forward, but we really saw him excel playing more power forward this year. Um, So the, the wing is definitely an area that I think needs improving from a depth and talent perspective. Give me some names. What are you thinking? Again, if we're assuming there's this 8500000 million, let's just say that they want to focus it on, on one wing. Who do you think are some targets?
1: So if, if, if it's a wing and they got that whole salary caps allocation available, I'm looking at guys like Josh Hart, Doug McDermott, Alec Burks, Reggie Bullock, Danny Green, maybe a Jared Vanderbilt, even though he's more of a forward. He's also restricted and the Timberwolves seem to like him as a 3-4 combo like defender like energy guy next to Carl Anthony Towns but he would be really a good fit here I think uh, I got Wayne Ellington on here as well he's more of just like a shooter but he might be even be more of like a two guard than a wing anyway uh, you I, I we talked about Kelly Oubre prior to the show but I think he's probably a little bit just out of their price range generally like he probably is more of like a 12 to 15 million dollar guy than yeah. eight to 12 I would say but yeah, yeah that's I, I pretty think, much the extent of my list. It's yeah, it's not a very deep wing free agency class.
0: The pick of the names for me, there is Josh Hart, who yeah, is a good yeah. rebounder defender, um, really good glue guy, great veteran presence. I think for this team problem is he's a restricted free agent and new Orleans have extended the qualifying office. So for them not to sign that, I mean, new Orleans is really interesting generally because they've all got Lonzo, who's also restricted free agent, There's murmuring that he's going to sign a contract with the Bulls after free agency opens. Um, Depending how things go with New Orleans' pursuit reported pursuit of Kyle Lowry, Lonzo Ball, they might be willing to re-sign Josh Hart. They might not be. At the same time, if they do kind of remove the qualifying offer or they choose not to match, I wonder if like a four-year, $8.5 million per year, like I just don't know if like a – $35 $35 million contract over four years gets Josh Hart away. Like I wonder if another team who has more cap space might be able to, to throw something bigger, like the full MLE, I think it's like, what's that like 8.5, 9 million.
1: I think it's like, yeah, it's 8.5 or like nine, maybe like 9.2 or something like that.
0: Yeah. So t- like teams can just throw the full MLE, which is basically the same as what Charlotte can offer in cap space. And they can just, yeah, it's, it's 9.2 is the full Emily. So they can just throw that and there will be a, if that's his market, I'm sure there'll be a number of teams who are happy to, to throw that at Josh Hart. Um, so I just don't know if we'll be able to plumb away. But look, if if something flips, something changes, then Josh Hart makes a lot of sense. There's a, like a defensive-minded veteran wing who can, you know, do, do quite a lot. You know, his three-point shooting dropped off a bit the, last year, but I do think, uh, he's shot it better in previous seasons. They did not have good spacing last year. So a lot of the time they just focused on kind of a few of the shooters. So I think he'd be a really interesting fit in Charlotte and I would really welcome him, but I just don't know if he'll definitely be available there.
1: Yeah. I'm with you. I would really like, he's by far my like number one wing depth, free agency acquisition preference, but it just depends so much on what happens with Kyle Lowry and Lonzo. If they end up getting one or both of them, I could definitely see them letting Josh Hart go. Maybe mm-hmm. even for a reasonable salary, like you said, like maybe 435. It might maybe closer to 440 or something like that, like 438. So you can get that extra half a million dollars every year in there or something. But yeah, I mean I, I it will like that's and that's a hard one because they won't they won't know at the beginning of free agency like what their situation would be with acquiring him. They it would have to wait for New Orleans to figure their thing out. And then you go, would move based off of that. And that like, that just takes too much time sometimes. Like they, the Hornets might have another guy lined up right at the beginning. And they're like, we, we, we can't lose him waiting for Josh Hart to potentially not sign him. So we just got to take, you know, Danny Green right now.
0: And the other thing is, Josh Hart is would be signing to be a role player.
1: Oh, yes, <laughs> he, absolutely. He's not
0: starting ahead of Gordon like Hayley.
1: Seventh or eighth man too. Like not even yeah. really like right off the bench.
0: So again, like what it like if if there's a bunch of teams you can throw like eight and a half, nine million at him, he'll probably start for some contenders mm-hmm. um or play be like their sixth man. Yeah, I just think it, it's an uphill struggle to that. Um another guy we both talked about is Reggie Bullock, played for the Knicks last year, had a probably his best year as a pro. Like I loved watching him on defense last year. I thought he really put up his his impact and effort. He shot the ball extremely well from three and had some shooting. Now, the Knicks have got loads of cap space. No one's really sure what they're going to do with it at the moment. If they do make some big splash, he might be a casualty. At the same time, I, I can I didn't see why they would let him go because like Tibbs started him and played him heavy minutes all year. He obviously absolutely loves him. They're coming off a successful season. But again, if he is an unrestricted free agent. So if Charlotte could get Reggie Bullock, I think he'd be like a perfectly legitimate 2-3 backup. Um, would be really solid. And he's probably my number two option behind Josh Hart and probably number one in terms like actually realistically target him.
1: I, I'm, I'm with you. I like Bullock a lot. And I also like Alec Burks, who play, was played with the Knicks last year. He shot 41.5% from three on five attempts per game, which was, obviously that's a career high number. And the year before that was 38.5% on 46 attempts per game. So, I mean, he's a, obviously he's a good floor spacer over the last two seasons. He has b- bumped up his career three-point percentage from what was like mid-30s as a younger player to 37.3% now as he rolls into his 30s. Like, he's 6'6". He can defend well enough. He's not somebody you're going to throw out there and ask to lock someone down. But, you know, the, I mean, as a guy that can get his own bucket and also kind of just roam around off ball and let LaMelo create, I think that him and Bullock would both be really good options with some nice size on the wing provide you good two-way depth I, and i that's something else that i think they need to focus on is like not getting someone that just stinks on one end of the floor like they like we saw like as like cody martin is a really effective player sometimes but we also saw the other side of it last year when yeah. he like he can't shoot like you can't you can only have so many guys on the floor around lamello that can't shoot because Lamelo is going to be able to find you or no matter where you are you have to be able to convert those opportunities when they give them to you which is why i think they stocked up on like finishers like Booknight and Jones, like they both can just run, cut off ball, find spots and find open creases in a defense, and have Lamelo hand them the ball, and then they got an easy bucket from wherever that comes from. But I think that and like Perks and Bullock are two guys that can do that. I think they'll be stocking up more on guys that are just reliable when you put the ball in their hands than guys that uh they have to like build up per se because they have yeah. a lot of guys that they have to develop on the roster right now.
0: Another name just to throw out, Otto Porter. Um, now, the big worry with Otto Porter is for the last—I mean, it feels like last three years—he he's not played more than 500 minutes a season since 2018-19. So he's just—he's just been so injury prone. It's been one thing after another, and I can't remember what it is. It's a knee or a hip, but whatever it is, it appears to be chronic. Where like he comes back, he plays, it hurts him again. And he has played actually more power forward than small forward in recent years. Cause I think he's really put on quite a lot of weight onto his frame. Um, I don't, I've not watched enough to know if it's muscle or not, uh, but he has played still like 50% of his minutes as a small forward over the past year. So he's another guy um, versatile, like had some really good years in Washington, like was a legitimately really promising player and the injuries have really derailed to start um, kind of, a similar probably career path like Marvin Williams, quite a high pick, had a promising start, had some injuries. And like when Marvin Williams signed in Charlotte, it was like a two year, 14 million dollar contract. And it was basically like, a OK, can you come back and forge an NBA career? Um, I, Otto Porter, I wouldn't be against doing a similar thing with him. I do think there's some untapped upside if he can stay healthy, which is the big thing. So you need the medical team to be able to, to clear that one. Uh, But I think that probably much does it for the wings. I mean, there's, a again, a few, like, minimum guys. Like, Mo Harkless is a good minimum guy I like. Uh, But, again, because of roster spots, I don't think we're going to be adding, you know, a minimum point guard, a minimum wing, and using cap space. We're we're not going to be adding two or three players in free agency unless there's some major moves made, which could happen. But we're more looking likely, like, make one definitely, I think, and maybe a second.
1: Yeah, I think the Kai Jones slide on draft night, like not like not that they're going to be like be like oh this specific player we we took Kai Jones instead but i think it does kind of put them in a position of like yeah we we're just not going to pick up a free agent of any kind and instead we're just going to have Kai Jones just from the roster spot math point of view but for the free agent guards this is another one that like it's it's it is actually kind of a deep class not necessarily at two guard but point guard specifically There are a lot of good free agents Mike Conley. He's already off the board, but he was technically a free agent. He's going to go back to Utah on a three-year $60 or $60 million deal reportedly, Uh, even though they're not supposed to be negotiating again. I think it's hilarious that the NBA even bothers to put these rules in place. Like the league year hasn't even started yet. And Mike Conley already has a contract agreed upon. Alonzo's already going to the bulls. Like it's just very funny how all this stuff ends up working out like every year, but if oh, Devonte graham even though like he's one of the better point guards in that market like he still might get kind of like buried and a lot of the teams that want point guards might end up with other people just before him because you know they got kyle lowry there's lonzo ball is on the market Dejounte murray is on the trade market as well like they're are just a lot of good point guards available and only so many teams need a point guard anyway but if, if the hornets were to go for another guard other i mean we can say and malik you know maybe they bring one of the, I mean, so we assume they bring Devonte back. Malik, there's a not, it's close to zero, but there's a non-zero percent chance that he comes back. So other than them two, what are some free agent guards that you could see them pursuing? We, I don't think that they'll spend cap space on one. But yeah, so I don't think you do either, but what are, what is No, they're,
0: they're not going to spend cap space with? on a guard. It's going to be a minimum guy. Um There's a bunch of interesting names, like, probably which I just don't think we'll be in the running for like Alfred Payton, Dennis Smith, Langston Galloway, Corey Joseph. I didn't think we we're going to be in the running for any of those quality of guys because all of those players, I think will want to have a role on their next team. If you're signing with the Hornets as a point guard, you're basically saying that you are going to be only play if there's an injury because Lamelo's is going to start, Devontae is going to back up and even then Terry Ozier might come in. So you're, you're doing the Brad Wanamaker role where you're, you're only playing if, something's gone very wrong on the injury front and Joe sharp has got a very full medical room. Um, So you're looking at a lower caliber of player. So guys I had like Tim Frazier, like absolute NBA journeyman, good pro comes in and runs the offense, doesn't mind being on the bench. Like he's the kind of guy, Brandon Knight, still only 29 years old, which is crazy because I feel like he's been in the NBA for 10 to 15 years. Um, had his injury issues, but definitely been around the league. Um, there is the opportunity that they do make Grant Rilla into that third-point guard. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something that we discussed. Um, I don't think he's going to get much time, and I think they'd still prefer him to play in with the swarm, so I think it's unlikely, but there is that opportunity if they couldn't get anyone else and then there was Emmanuel Mudiay, who's I think you said playing summer league with the port with Portland did
1: you say yeah I believe it is the Portland Trailblazers I'll look it up yeah. right now and if it's not I'll interrupt him and-
0: yeah so you know there are a couple like kind of minimum guys who I'd be perfectly happy with to be sat on the end of the bench Wanamaker if he wants to come back fine I, I don't think he's a very good player anymore I think he's definitely on the downside but uh, look, he helped them when he played last year. He did just about enough for me to be like, I can see why they would bring him back um, if he's that veteran presence.
1: Yeah, that's that's pretty much the extent of my list as well. I have Austin Rivers on there too, just given how much he bounced around last year. Um, I think he might be available. I saw uh, Dylan Jackson talking about him on Twitter as well. Like, I think that that's – someone that's worth looking at. I don't, he might, he's probably not the best like fit necessarily. Cause he's just really not a good defender. And if you're going to have Devonte, who is a good defender, but he is six one and then LaMelo who is clearly just more of an offensive focused player than defense, even though he isn't going to be bad, presumably when he's in his prime at it either, you just want guys that are more so inclined to go out there and defend. And Austin rivers is probably not one of those guys, but, I think he's worth kicking the tires. I really like, I do like Brad Wanamaker. Like, he's, he is the definition of serviceable. Like, you're rarely gonna complain when Brad Wanamaker's out there. You're rarely gonna get excited and say his name, like, nice play, Brad. But you just, like, in a way, that's what you want out of the 14th guy on your roster. You don't want him to come in and be overly exciting either way, because if he is, sometimes it'll come back to bite you and it, even if it does end up helping you a lot of the time brad comes in he gets his job done and then he, he goes off to the bench he doesn't complain when he doesn't play you know he's gone through all sorts of roles in his career he was a star in europe he was a bench player with golden state he played a fair amount of playoff minutes with boston like he's done he's done it all so i i wouldn't be opposed to that at all if they brought him back on a minimum or or close to it like like business deal last year was like basically a minimum but like, i think it was like two or three million dollars so i would i would be okay with that if it was something i also do think the grant really thing is a possibility as well but that would i feel like be them be like shifting towards like a this season is again more so for like development than like complete, yeah. getting a high playoff seed or something.
0: I think it would actually be better for Rilla to be on a two-way. Oh, because I, if, me too.
1: I'd rather if,
0: if he's a, If he's the 15th man on the roster, He, you know, it's going to be hard for him to play for Greensboro. He's not going to play for Greensboro and he's not going to play for this team. So yeah. he's just going to be nothing. Like, I, I think he needs to get those minutes. So that's what I prefer for him. I, I want to throw something at you, Chase. So we talked before about we think Cody, Martin, McDonald's will be back. Let's just say they did waive all three of them so McDaniels, Martin, and uh, both Martin twins. They could actually go up to 14.5 million. Oh, okay, and then you're looking in uh, probably around that Holmes number. I'm going to throw this to you Would you rather sign one of those kind of like Tice, uh, Drummond or whatever options for like the eight and a half million, or would you rather have Holmes? on like a four-year, 14.5 per year, but you have to waive those three players. Which, which option would you pick?
1: That's really tough. That's mm. actually really tough. Um, I think I would waive them. I think I would. As much as I really like Jalen and even Cody Martin, like, I think Caleb's an easy decision to waive. Like, no offense to, to Caleb. He certainly could find a role in the NBA. I don't think he's shown enough improvement over the last two years for the Hornets to warrant like giving him the minutes that he would need to, to develop. Like you can't sign Caleb and just plant him on the bench and then expect him to get better for the next time you put him in, like you got to play him. And that's just not something that'll be easy for the Hornets to do. If they want to be like really competitive, Jalen would hurt a lot. (laughs) Like, Mm. like waving him. I really, really like him. He he, like six ten, moves like a guard. He has some defensive versatility as like a help side defender and he can really shoot when he's on, he can get by people with the ball in his hands. Like it's just a, he has a really nice package for a guy that is making like so little money and like the tools that he has to develop from, I think are really nice, but I still think that's worth waving for somebody that's like Rashawn Holmes. He's already, he's already there. You know what I mean? Like Rashawn Holmes is already there. I feel like it'd be, we have breaking news, Chase. Oh, no. Did they just extend the... Qual- Did they do the qualifying offers? Yes. After we All just right. recorded the whole part. Oh, my God. All right. Break it to me. I don't think right. they...
0: The Hornets are not extending the qualifying over- offer to Devontae Graham. Whoa. No, I'm, I'm winding you up. <laughs>
1: oh, <okay. laughs> to Malik Monk. <laughs> I-, I was like, Sorry. whoa. I was literally about to be like, do we have to redo this entire thing? Oh, God, that would have been funny. <laughs> no, uh, Hornets okay, are not extended the
0: right. qualifying over to Malik Monk, making him an unrestricted free agent. Hornets have extended a qualifying offer to Devonta Graham, making him a restricted free agent. Charlotte, This is from Rod Boone, by the way, of um, Sports Illustrated. Charlotte considers Graham part of its core and remains hopeful both sides can reach a deal to keep him around long term. So the good news is it's everything that we planned for um this is what we thought was going to happen um now we've got it confirmed that just makes this podcast even more valuable so that's good question is if they hadn't drafted buck knight do you think this would have gone down the same way
1: probably probably i think so yeah probably just because like that it's just monk's cap hold man like it literally has nothing to do with malik as a player or person it's just Mm. that that number that comes up on the computer screen when you click on his salary table, and it's like sixteen million dollar cap hold, it prevents you from doing so much that like he would have had to be basically like what Terry, like almost as like what Terry was for the team last year, for them to be worth keeping him at a sixteen million dollar cap hold for the d- duration of the free agency period. And I think he could be a really, really good player someday. And I'm going to be rooting for him if he ends up leaving and going somewhere else, which now with Devante having a qualifying offer, it seems like it's almost certain that Malik is not going to get one and then leave. But yeah, I, w- I would have bet that this goes down the same way regardless just because of that cap hold number, which really sucks that like, that's how, you know, the, the math ended yeah. up working out. Like it's not like two years ago, the Hornets knew that they'd be in this type of situation. Uh, I'm sure that they're, not looking forward to like letting Malik go for nothing at all because he did show quite a bit in the last really two seasons. But
0: well, there's still there's still opportunities for a sign and trade with Malik. Yeah. Just 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 like and we know he said this before. But when Rozier left Boston, Boston did a sign and trade to Charlotte. Charlotte didn't have the space to sign Rozier, so they sent them two second round picks and basically did a sign and trade. If a team without cap space wants Malik Monk, now the, the problem with this is you think Malik Monk would sign for like the MLE 9.2 million. You think that'll probably be to us like the top range of his value, i guess. So I, I don't expect teams to to really need to do a signing trade to sign Malik Monk, but let's just say that there is someone who absolutely loves Malik Monk and they haven't got their MLE because they've already used it they could sign him through a sign-in trade. So there is still a potential option that Charlotte could get some value back from this, but I, it's less than, I'd say, like 15%. Um, I'd say it's pretty unlikely.
1: Yeah, I will. You want to hear? I just saw Rod Boone's tweet. Hornets are not extending a qualifying offer to Malik Monk, making him an unrestricted free agent. Monk's time with Charlotte is done. So... Now, it, 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 that, the wording of that makes it seem like almost it's just he's just not going to do a sign and trade. Like, he's just going to leave and go somewhere else. So, yeah, that's a, that's an unfortunate ending to Malik's uh, career in Charlotte that we're finding out <laughs> in, in real time as we record this podcast.
0: I yeah. mean, we, we've got a little bit. I mean, we've pretty much – have we covered the free agency stuff there? we pretty much done, weren't we?
1: Yeah, we, we basically were done. I mean, we weren't. I don't think we were going to talk anymore about – the guards that were left. The only thing I was going to say is the like, the only other thing I could see them doing outside of like free agency was trading for miles Turner using either Terry or the cap space or Plumlee or some combination of that. But you know, that's been something on the, that's been on the table for a super long time anyway. That's not like a new uh, point of thought, the Hornets going after miles Turner, but yeah, Malik, as we, uh, we started this podcast, we weren't quite sure what would happen because for whatever reason, the Hornets delayed this announcement for like 36 hours, but, yeah, Malik is officially gone. Devonte is officially, you know, not, not gone yet and pretty much guaranteed to re-sign with the Hornets on a long-term deal. So now that we know, now after now we know. So that's that's definitely
0: now we know. Benefit, well, reflecting on Malik Monk's time in Charlotte, let's maybe just spend at the end of the pod. Let's just focus on that. What are your what will your kind of overriding memories of Malik Monk be?
1: Oh man. I, it might be the a buzzer beater. It was either against the Knicks or the Pistons in nineteen twenty. I'm not sure which Knicks.
0: One. I remember them against the Knicks. Knicks
1: yeah, and then the not buzzer beater, but go ahead uh, and one he had against Sacramento in that game. That was a uh, that was uh, it finished at like twelve forty five in the morning or something like that. They were down by a bunch in the in the second half, and they came back and beat the Kings. Those will probably be my two prevailing memories, and just like the general like bounce back nature of his of his fourth season like he got better at everything that he was supposed to be good at coming out of college and then like wasn't good at as, as a rookie sophomore in, in his third season like that three he shot 40 percent on really good volume last year he was a good playmaker out of the pick and roll his defense was like one of the more underrated individual skills that like anybody on the Hornets had like I feel like people give him way too much flack for that at this point still like he I feel like he's just generally solid on that end so some team is going to get a pretty good player, probably at a pretty low price. De- best of luck to Malik. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm excited to watch him, pl- you know, play a lot for the first time, really in his career. because I, I assume he's not going anywhere that's not going to play him a lot.
0: Yeah, he, he's he wants to get minutes. Malik Monk yeah, was a frustrating. Know. He was a frustrating player for me over his time in Charlotte. It, not not always him specifically. It's not always his own fault. Just the fact that whenever he seemed to get any momentum at all, there would be an injury. There would be a suspension. There would be a pandemic. And (laughs) every time you thought he was turning a corner, something else just popped up. And at some point you just felt like it's not meant to be for Malik and Charlotte because it just never worked out Um, under both Steve Clifford and James Borrego. I think he will admit to himself his first two years in the league. He basically just wasn't professional enough. And he's, he's said that a number of times that I had to learn to be a pro and I've matured. Um, I think that's why people talk about, you want to draft high character guys because Malik Monk coming out of Kentucky, I think was probably not a high character guy. He was not a super hard worker. He probably did some, had a little bit too much fun off the court. And I think, that caught up with him in the league. And like you said, for the first two years, he, his three-point shooting, basically, first three years, his three-point shooting abandoned him. And he was actually a better finisher at the rim. And he was a decent passer. But like at college, it was completely the inverse. So I, I still think there's something there from the league. I don't think he'll ever be a starter. You know, he's never shot, like for his career, he's 49 effective field goal percentage. Like he's got a career 40% from the field. Um, his three point for career numbers are now moved up to 34% so it's trending in the right direction I think he is a bench spark plug guy who comes off and give you buckets and some night he will have it like in Miami this year in the double overtime game where I think he scored 36 and you will think if you were watching that game you'd be saying Malik Monk is one of the best players in the NBA then there'll be a bunch of other nights where he doesn't um, and he takes kind of some some bad shots and he goes two for nine and I think that's what Malik's career is going to be. But I, I will admit that there's potential there. We, we recorded the podcast where in the middle of that Malik Monk hot streak, where he was like 19 points per game. Um, it's going to be an interesting way to see how his career goes from here. Will he become a starter? I, I don't think he'll be, ever be a starter in a really good team. I think his role as a bench guy and that's fine. Um, but it's not going to be in Charlotte and it's a shame it couldn't work out, but just the way that things are broken with the cap space and the draft this year, like you just said, it, it it does make sense. I would have made this decision.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, I probably would have had to as well as much as it would have hurt. And this is why it's so hard to be like in like Mitch, like a general manager or even somebody that just works for a team is because like, there's literally no right decision here. Like you, are losing a good player for nothing or you're keeping a good player on like your salary cap books for like way more than what you're able to do and also maintain flexibility. Both of both of those things are like you lose something in both of those scenarios. So, you know, that that's the, the unfortunate side of, of the the business of the NBA, but you know, best of luck to Malik, he'll probably go somewhere. He's going to play quite a bit. And, uh, you know, now Devontae is more like 99.9% sure to come back as a Hornet. So anything, any offer that gets offered to him by another team, I would expect them to match. And I also wouldn't be surprised if he never gets one from another team and the Hornets just work out an extension. He won't. Yeah, yeah. I really they're,
0: they're going to work out an extension. I'm, I'm, sh- I'm almost certain. The one thing I will say, with Cody Zeller expiring and Malik Monk gone, that is pretty much the end, I believe, of the Rich Cho era in charlotte i don't think there's any more holdovers from that team and just to run through the, the list of draft picks from the rich show era Bismat Biombo, who never got he got released after his contract finished and he was a top 10 pick obviously we, we all know about kemba michael kagil basically ended up getting released and is now at the league cody zeller has been a, a perfectly solid nba player noah von you know, he got traded after his first year and he never got kind of signed to an extension of his contract. Frank Kaminsky, he was let to expire as his rookie contract. So um, Malik Monk is the end of that era where it was not a good run of lottery picks. Like you talk about losing to get a good draft picks all the way through. France, Frank Kaminsky, Malik Monk, Bismarck Bayumbo, Noah Vonley. Like that, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, Cody Zeller. That's what six years of losing essentially netted the Charlotte Hornets, um, which is pretty depressing, and it's quite <laughs> incredible. If you if you made it through, if you're listening to this and you made it through supporting the team and you were going to games during that period, credit to you because um, yes. um, <laughs> credit to you.
1: Yeah, you are. You are the version of like the Knicks fans that were having a party outside of the garden when they won that first playoff game in the first round they are you Hornets fans three years down the road when the Hornets win their first playoff game with LaMelo that that yeah this this will be all of those listeners that were there what year would that have been like what what like 2013 14 15 like around or no it would have been after that like 16 17 I think so yeah yeah that if you were there for those years credit to you and hopefully through this offseason, they're going to build something that can keep taking those those incremental steps towards being a competitive team. But, you know, and, and also this, that's something to be said for the Hornets fans that are like, oh, we got to trade Gordon Hayward and get young again and be bad and get good, like good, better draft picks to pair with LaMelo. Doesn't always work out like that. <laughs> it just doesn't always work like that, that. Nothing is a foolproof plan. You got to just go with the punches, take the best the best uh option or player you can get at any given moment and then see what you get when you roll into the season. So, we got anything else for the free agency preview pod? Oh, here we go. Zach Collins not extended a qualifying offer. So that is another option the Hornets could go after. It's now obviously way easier to sign him the Horn- the, the Blazers can't match. He's been hurt a ton. It's like a 4 or 5 combo big, but will probably be available for a low-ish salary if that's something the
0: when when I saw your face there and your expression, you went, "Oh!" I was like, "What is it?" And then that was followed by the name Zach Collins, and I was like, "Why? Wow. No. <laughs> Why are you getting so excited about that?"
1: <laughs> it just it happened to pop up right uh, right before we finished, so it was it was that was just good timing on, on Zach Collins' part. But yeah, yeah, I think. No, I think. Yeah, got I think the
0: final thing just to say is we will we will be back when the Charlotte Hornets make their free agency moves, and that could be. It could be tomorrow. It could be a week from now. Um, So we're just going to kind of play it a little bit by ear here. Um, I imagine we'll probably have something coming at you towards the end of this week if if there's not been any major moves made. Um, But, yeah, we'll be back. We'll be back again. It's busy podcasting time. And just a quick one, how excited are you for Summer League?
1: Oh, I'm so excited. When we're recording this, it's exactly one week from today, I think, is the first game, so – where the countdown begins. The Hornets are back, or the, the Hornets with an asterisk at the end are back on the court <laughs> on August 8th. So yeah. we'll, only a few more days.
0: Right, let's wrap it up.
1: All right. Thank you all for listening to another episode of Athlete at Live. This was a free agency preview. Uh, any any other questions you guys may have, free agency targets we didn't talk about, anything of the sort, drop that in the comments. Hopefully we'll see you guys next episode. Enjoy enjoy your summer. You know, we only got a month left to go. The the NBA activity will probably be winding down somewhat in like a week once free agency's over. It's time for us to relax a little bit in a week. It's exciting right now, but we are with the light, the light at the end of the tunnel is there now that free agency is already underway. So thank you all for listening. Enjoy the what of the time that is spent between our, this episode and the next one, whenever that may be. And we will see you guys then.